laced with, clothed with, wrapped into, and submerged under humility. Amen? With all the things that Tony, our wise man, uh, may or may not have known as depicted in our video here, it seems that the one thing he did know was his place in the story. Knowing one's place uh, in the Christmas story is another aspect worth uh, consideration when it comes to the glory of Christmas. Knowing one's place in that story is vitally important. Tony knew, as the wise man, that he was not the top of the food chain. He knew that there was another far, far more important. The central character in the story of Christmas is named within the season that is cherished by so many. Christ. Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of the entire story. And it's about uh, what it's about and revolves around based upon what we read in the Gospels. Christmas is not about the wise men. Nor is Christmas even remotely about you and me. Christmas, Christmas is about Him, amen? Amen. While so many times we inadvertently, or perhaps maybe intentionally, live as if the story of life revolves around ourselves as the main character. And let's be honest, we do live that way from time to time, as though the story of life revolves around us. Okay, I got three amens. All right, just, yee, wow. Um, hmm. how, many, how many believers we got in Christ Jesus in the house today? Okay, we've got a whole bunch of folk that aren't believers in Jesus Christ. And some of them are elders of the church. So I'm just thinking. We do act that way, don't we? That sometimes life is about me. And you better know that. No, it's not about you. It's about me. And that's how we act. We think we're sometimes the main character of this story. The glory of Christmas is that we are given an annual opportunity to reframe what and who is truly the central theme of this story of life. Surprise! It isn't us! The central theme of the story of life is the one who gave you life, who is the giver of life, in whom we find ourselves alive, and that is Jesus Christ, born the Savior of the world. God chose to become incarnate in the form of a fully human child, and moved into the neighborhood 
of planet Earth as our way home to a right relationship with Him. Wisdom, wisdom. Got any wise folk here? We're talking about the wise man. We got any wise folk? No, I didn't say wise guys. A whole bunch of you would raise your hand at that point. What? Thank you, Trey. What, we got any wise people here? No one's raising your hand. You frighten me. There had better be some wisdom in the house. But wisdom is knowing enough to know that we collectively and individually are not meant to be center stage in the story of Christmas. Because let's be honest, this is where a lot of folk receive a lot of stuff. Christmas, giving of gifts, right? Yeah. Man, how many times have you wanted X, Y, or Z worse than the next breath you could get? I really want that new phone. Can I just be honest? If your highest and loftiest aspiration is the new iteration of a phone, I have a book with an entire list of hobbies that you need to read. Okay? I'm just saying. The centerpiece of every nativity scene, every nativity scene is the Christ child in the manger, right? Dead center. Mary. You got Mary. Joseph shows up, both on opposite sides of the the manger. You got shepherds, and you've got wise men like Tony. Donuts in hand. You've even got livestock. And perhaps you have a hovering angel over the little barn scene. All of which, every one of those characters find themselves surrounding what and who is in the center of the nativity. Nobody, nobody has a nativity. And my, my Aunt Betty, my Aunt Betty's got nativity scenes like crazy. She has nativities. They're beautiful. They're beautiful. But with all of them that Betty Stokes has, she doesn't have a single nativity scene displayed where the wise men take focal point of the nativity. Not one of them. This is because the glory of the story is who is at the center rather than who is on the periphery. And if we got a wise man in the center and the baby Jesus off to the side, we don't have much to focus on. All the people and the pieces surround Jesus, including the wise men. And wise people understand this dynamic. That's why I asked if you're wise, did we have any wise people? Wise people understand that. Only a fool would think the glory of Christmas is about someone other than Christ. Christmas is not about Santa. Christmas is not about Scrooge. Christmas is not about what the Grinch attempted to steal. 
Those stories are fun. Jim Carrey, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, yeah. The best Grinch ever. Of course, the only other one was a cartoon, and Boris Karloff did his voice. So Jim didn't have far to climb. But that story, as fun as it is to see, all those stories, to enjoy, all throughout the season, that's not what the season is about. However, Christmas always has first and foremost been about the baby, Jesus, as the central meaning, and subsequently the glory of Christmas. The wise men demonstrate a glorious move that we would be well served to remember concerning their place as well as our place in the story of Christmas. They made an excellent move. And we need to make note of this in our life and in our living. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, reminds us, in the, reminds us of this. Now listen to what chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 and 9 through 11 say. Listen to this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And behold... The star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense, and myrrh. These wise men, now listen to this strategy. Listen to this approach. They stopped what they were doing in their everyday lives. How many today, at the tail end of 2020, beginning of 2021, let our day keep rolling and we attempt to fit Christ in? thinking to ourselves, he understands my schedule. Listen to this. These guys stopped what they were doing in their everyday lives. They prioritized their time. They prioritized their energy and their efforts to move from what they were concentrating on to focusing on reorienting their lives into close proximity to Jesus. Did you hear that approach? They stopped what they were doing and reorganized, reprioritized their life so that they could find themselves close to Jesus. Much of Christendom in this day and age is living their lives full tilt, wide open, floor or foot to the floor, thinking, hoping, this is enough. 
That's it. But these guys, they did a totally different approach. And they made sure their lives were in direct contact with Christ. What a treasure to be reminded that our place in the story is not at the center of it at all. Doesn't that take some pressure off when you're not in the spotlight? And what a blessing to remember that part of the glory of Christmas is about giving gifts rather than receiving them. These actions that the, that the, uh, the wise men took demonstrate and remind us of a glorious truth about Christmas. The story is about somebody else. It's not about them, and it's not about us. It's about him. The wise men are recorded as bowing down before Jesus in worship of him and giving him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It wasn't the other way around. It wasn't the other way around. The story of Christmas is not about somebody else besides Jesus getting gifts, despite our way of approaching Christmas. It's not about anybody else getting gifts. It's about Him getting gifts. The story of Christmas is not about somebody else uh, besides Jesus getting gifts. Rather, it's about Jesus being honored recognized and worshipped with gifts. And may I add, really good gifts. Really good. Who here, when I was a kid, when I was little, we used to go over to a relative's house that was about, oh, 35 minutes-ish away from where I live in Traverse City, Michigan. And, and we would go over there, and we knew every single year what we were getting for Christmas. Every single year, me and my siblings knew exactly what we were getting for Christmas. We were getting the toys out of the cereal boxes that that house had consumed during the year. That's what we were getting for Christmas. And we knew it. And mom would always say, you guys stop talking like that. Because we would, you know... This toy, that what, what, that's what we were getting. The thing about what the wise men did is they bought really good gifts. Really good gifts. The wise men did not re-gift some cheap white elephant throwaway prize that had been obtained at an office Christmas party earlier that week. That's not what they brought. They brought really good stuff. They brought their best to the newborn king. Why? Because they knew their place in the story. And just as importantly, they knew his place. That's why he got such good gifts. Yes, the wise men likely had all kinds of head knowledge and esteemed recognition for their, uh, their comprehension on a whole variety of of subjects from their day and time. They probably had it all, so much stuff. Our wise man, Tony, in, in the video, was known to have all 
kinds of useless bits of information. You know who Tony was? He was Cliff Clavin. One person knew who Cliff Clavin was. Make a note, never bring Cliff Clavin back up in a sermon. Anybody ever watched the TV show a couple, three decades ago called Cheers? The Postman who knew everything about everything? That's Cliff Clavin. And still no one laughs. It's okay. Cliff was known as a know-it-all. And this is our Tony. He knows all kinds of stuff that no one cares about at all. However, at the end of the day, Tony, just like the actual wise men from Scripture, Tony knew his place in the story. And that that place was one where he was to serve Jesus rather than being served by Jesus. And that serving Jesus was more in line with the true glory of Christmas. He may have known a lot of stuff. He may have been a know-it-all. But being a know-it-all, he knew his place. Sometimes we get that out of order. We get it out of order in our own lives. We get it out of order throughout the calendar year. And we even keep it intact at Christmas. We think we deserve to be served. We get frustrated when things don't go our way. None of us do that. We become impatient, even entitled to better service or more focus on our needs. Whatever the situation or the scenario might be. One of the things that I see people do, you ever get an order wrong in a restaurant? I mean, you ordered X, Y, and Z. You even ordered it in a way that is specifically the way you want to eat it, medium rare or extra crispy or whatever the case may be. And when that poor waiter or waitress comes out to your table and that order is completely tanked, It's just trashed. It looks gorgeous. The next person next to you would probably eat that, but because it wasn't made the way you wanted it made, the waiter or waitress takes that food back to the kitchen, only they're carrying their head in their hand too because you took it off. Right? Now, there's some laughter. The rest of you are biting your lips because you know you've done it. But we want to know why this didn't go our way. Why aren't you focused more on me? And I want my service right. You say, it's it's fortunate the lights are out out there. Because in the light, I see a lot of you smiling and kind of looking around like this. Yeah, I've done that. I've killed my share of waitresses. Those of you in the dark part of the sanctuary are safe. I can't see you. But we need to know our part in the story if we're going to live like wise men. We become impatient and entitled. 
However, Christmas helps us stop. And Christmas helps us remember to have the same approach and the same attitude to the story of our life as Jesus does with his is to see others, listen now, as more important than ourselves in a humble and genuine manner. The Apostle Paul talks about this. Um, he would speak about this to the, to the Philippian church in, in chapter 2 of Philippians. And he says this. This is for us. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is, all, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. If you've ever wondered how to empty yourself, take what you are right now and convert that to servanthood. And I'm going to find myself here in just a minute. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is a beautiful thing to remember that the wise men did uh, what, uh, I'm sorry, to remember that the wise men did at the start of Jesus' life as a newborn what Paul says all people will do in time. The wise men showed up, they bowed. And in due time, all men will do the same thing. They will bow. Bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what we believe about Jesus right now. Maybe you don't believe in Him at all. Maybe you think this is pure mythology. It's fable and fairy tale. It's outmoded and unrealistic. Or... You look at him as Christ the Savior. It really doesn't matter what you believe right now. Um, because at some point in time, your knee is going to bow. It's going to happen. No matter what you believe, we should be situated in the story of our life in a time every person will find himself or herself on her knees, face down, worshiping before King Jesus. It's going to happen. When we realize the wise thing to do is what the wise men did at the first Christmas. This is it. Bow early and bow often. 
as a way to recognize who is at the center of this story. It will go well for us, both now and in eternity, if we recognize, bow early, and bow often. As we make our way through this Christmas season, we may look for opportunities to humble ourselves and move off center stage and onto the side or even into the background while helping others get closer to see the one who's at the center of the story. May we serve Jesus as we serve others. Serving Jesus can be accomplished by serving others. May we find ourselves on our knees and offering gifts rather than desiring others to be bowing their lives and their desires and time to serve us and offer us things that, let's be honest, we really don't need. Yes, part of the glory of Christmas is that it helps to remember our place in the story. We can be reminded in a fresh way this season how famous Bible verses, uh, 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 how, uh, how the most famous Bible verse of all time goes. I'm sorry. This, this verse, everyone here knows it. It was so funny. This verse right here. John 3, 16. Everybody can recite that verse. I was at a Christian education conference a hundred years ago. I know I hold my age well. I was up in a church up in the Metroplex at a CE conference that was put on by our general headquarters, this fellowship of churches. And I'm up there. And a friend of mine, who is the national CE director at the time, her name was Billy Blevins, she's running this particular room, and she's doing this particular class. And she asked, and I don't even remember the connective tissue as to why she's asking this question, but she asks the question. If I were to ask anyone here, To quote John 3.16, who could do it? I want you to realize, I'm sitting, I don't know, back by Stacy and Angela, that distance from her, and she's up here. And I'm not looking at Billy. I happen to have a pad of paper on my lap, and I'm writing down some stuff, and I just did this. And she said, Michael, can you quote John 3.16? Okay, who here can't quote John 3.16, right? Now, if you can't, don't feel bad. I'm not trying to make fun of you. Because if I am making fun of you, you're getting vindication right now. Because in this national CE conference with the national director, my friend, standing right there, I can't quote John 3.16. I looked up and I went, For God so loved the world that he gave... He, he, I, and I lost John 3.16. So why did you tell me that? I don't have the foggiest idea why I just told you that story. <laughs> Other than the fact that Christmas time helps us remember 
what the glory of Christmas is about because that baby in a manger had to be in a manger before he could ever get to Calvary's cross. And you see, the baby came in the manger. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The giving is the Christmas. God so loved the world was the redemption. That whosoever, there are no rules, no regulations, no boundaries, no frameworks. All you have to do is be a living, breathing human being and believe in the Son of God. And you will not perish, but you'll have everlasting life. And if we can see that, if we can see that, we get it. That's why he's the center and we are not. Yes? May we remember that God gave his only son. See, we celebrate a baby in a manger. That was the giving part on God's part. That's the act of giving a manger. And then he gave again when there was an earthquake at Golgotha and the temple curtain was torn in two and the skies grew dark and Roman soldiers everywhere freaked out at the reaction of the death of this Jew. The story of Christmas and the truth of this verse does not say that God gave you and me to the world. That's not what it says. It is a glorious thing when we realize we never were intended to be God's gift to the world. Do you know people who think that they're God's gift to to whatever? I am definitely God's gift to this, that, or the other. Yes, I am. And you need to know it. You know people like that? The world will stop turning if they're not there. A given ministry in a church will cease to exist if it's not for them. If there's one thing that I've learned a long time ago, it's that I am expendable. God will have His will accomplished. Amen? Whether I'm there or not. And sometimes in spite of me. It takes all the pressure off to perform or try to be someone we were never intended to be in God's eyes. Sometimes I need some pressure off, amen? A wise person would never be so foolish as to presume that he or she, you or I, were ever meant to be center stage in God's story. Only a fool would take the spotlight meant for someone else. Just relax and choose to be in the background where we were meant to be in this story from the start. I have always been the guy who didn't want to be up front. That's just who I am. I've always liked that place because I get to work with a team, you know? I get to be part of it. I've always enjoyed that. And then my father-in-law retires. Moving right along. 
Consequently, may we enjoy the glory of Christmas as we find ourselves to the side instead of the center. May we find ourselves on bended knee before the King as we offer our gifts of worship and our lives of service to Him. May we be people who consistently seek Jesus and do our best to point others to Him as we serve and share what we do know. That Jesus is the center of the story. Let's live that out for His glory as we tell the story of Christmas and give Him all the glory. Amen? At this time, I am so grateful to have people that are gifted in certain things. I am really glad to introduce my father-in-law right now. He's coming to do something among the multitude of things that he does so well. He's coming to conduct our communion ceremony at this time. And let's just remember that as we take communion this morning, We're not the one at the center of the story. We're not. We need to actively seek to offer our lives as the wise men with gifts of worship and lives of service. Amen? Amen. Dr. Johnson. Thank you, sir.